If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to that one-hour podcast that's all about game development and the lifestyle thereof, game developers, game players, and people who critique games. And uh, I am doing this podcast alone for right now, and that time is over because I obviously don't do this by myself. It's not good for my health. Fresh off the top shelf, Mr. Brandon Fan. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the first episode of a new segment that we're adding to the podcast. We're going to try this out, so hang on for the ride. It's a segment called Pop Culture Thoughts, T-H-O-T-S, with Shora Ferrani. He's going to be our expert, and we're just going to see how it goes. Non-traditionally, we're going to do off the cuff, so bear with us, guys. These are opinions expressed by us and not by our companies. Sure, how are you doing, man? Hey, guys. Um, Thanks for having me back. It's been a while, more than a year. Um, Yeah, glad to to see you guys again. Actually, I work with Brandon. I see him every day, but nevertheless, (laughs) good to see Larry. Uh, And just to jump in before we get into the deep waters, thought is a unisex term, I just want to say. I know some I know some guy thoughts out there. <laughs> so uh, uh, again, look in the description if you want to. Sure, obviously has been on the episode before or on the podcast before. So if you want to link to his previous episodes, uh, go ahead and look for it. Sure, just a really quick background of uh, just run through your resume real quick for first time listeners out there to kind of understand who you are um so i I, i'm originally from iran i came to usa about 12 13 years ago actually 13 now and Mm. i came to study at academy of art university uh i had my bachelor's and master's but i came for the art school here I, i was mostly computer engineering and i came here i had like a couple of like i started doing a couple of like a couple of short films on my own all CG, and eventually one of them landed me a job at Raven Software. So I worked, started working on a couple of Call of Duties at Raven. I moved to Wisconsin for two years and then moved back uh, to Bay Area. I transferred to Sledgehammer to work on Call of Duty Advanced Warfare. And I was at Sledgehammer for two plus years. Uh, I, I kind of got laid, laid off. At the time, I was on work visa. My visa kind of got screwed. And I landed in a small startup at the time called Outward. So that small startup, when I joined them, we were less than 15 people. And I I was there for two years. We were mostly toward modernizing furniture industry. So imagine like all the, when you go to a website for furniture, uh, now you can completely customize your order. You can see it in 3D. You can rotate it, like play with the lighting, see it in the environment. Now there is VR, AR apps. It's it's going a distance now, that, that market. So I was there for two plus years as well. 
And that company, eventually, when I left, we were 100 people, 100 plus. That company was sold to William Sonoma for $110 million. And now after, so my kind of role was kind of finished there because they were now established. I went there as essentially someone who would pitch new ideas for for different companies. And now I started working at Pocket Gems, which is a mobile game company. And this time I'm, I'm, I'm on actually a very female oriented game that actually oh, caters toward actually teenage girls. And um, it's <laughs> actually a very, very interesting topic and a very interesting group to work with. And the game is called Episode. It has like over 150 million, actually, yeah, 150 million downloads. It's crazy. Oh, nice, nice. Thank you, bank. So this segment, just kind of preface it, all right? We're all gaming developers, and if you're a long-time listener, you know we interview game developers. We talk about game developers' lifestyle and everything that uh, pertains to it. Pop culture is kind of like, you know, we're influenced by a lot of things outside of game news. And this is kind of to uh, to kind of get everyone's opinion, every culture, everything that's happening right now in comic, movies, entertainment, whatever... And the reason why we have Shora on is because, you know, Shora has always had an interesting perspective, especially on pop culture. And I feel like it's a great opportunity for us to kind of delve into his brain. And uh, By the way, just a, a quick topic. All right. Just a quick topic. Uh, I listened to your podcast last week. It was very, very intelligent conversation. It was very good. Um, how much backlash did you get? Because <laughs> because that topic is so sensitive. No matter how intelligent you try to talk about it, it's a lose lose situation for us. You're referring so, to the sexism at Riot Games. Episode. Yes, that that Last topic was covered. I, because Larry had a little very reasonable, good arguments that was he was trying to play a little of devil's advocate in the process. Mm-hmm. And he was, I, I, I actually stand by, by his side, but I'm just wondering how much backlash he has got. I'll tell you what, I, I haven't checked the reviews yet, <laughs> but our, <laughs> but our email inbox is, is pretty light. We got a couple of pats on the backs and nothing like kill yourselves, jump off a cliff. Yeah. My daughter, nothing negative. My sister, you know? Yeah. I think it's been mostly, uh, we had a lot of, uh, engagement on it. Obviously mm-hmm. it's a, uh, it's a topic that everyone is interested in. Uh, want it's the topic of the week right now so um but nothing negative like nothing we said we were i would say pretty careful and fair to kind yeah. of present you know not just shine a, a a light on riot games but on sexism itself and we were i yeah. feel like as fair as we can be us being two males in the industry yeah we're, exactly we're but, to, but at the same time i have like i have tried sometimes to engage in this conversation and as hard as you try to be like you know keep the like conversation polite and reasonable um because um i I, i'm not saying all of it but there is like a yeah what were you doing with your hands maybe that has something (laughs) (laughs) your approach (laughs) might be too aggressive no it's in general though in 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 our gaming culture yeah um there's um and 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 i think some of the females that sometimes we deal with um are not the typical females of 
of pop pop culture that 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 they are. Mm-hmm. So they have a very different perspective on like you know like a lot of the female aspects of the conversation. So it's it's a it's a very topic like sensitive topic to to them, especially since they have fought so hard to get to where they are now. Yeah. And yeah. they have been always like you know um against what the female like other you know other females have been in the pop culture. So it's it's very sensitive to them. So yeah. it, that's that's why it's when you engage in them and try to, you know, because a lot of our, a lot of my background has been with, you know, mm, mm, females who actually enjoy the normal pop culture stuff. And when you try to engage it from that perspective, they strongly stand against you. So it's a very, um, as I said, sensitive topic. Do you have a specific example? Uh... Um, no, but uh, there, there has been conversations like with people that I've had and, um, there was a point that I was like, I can't argue with this because the conversation suddenly diverts to something else completely. Right. And then it's, it's, it's not beneficial to anyone. And these are the things that actually brings careers down. <laughs> <laughs> well, how about this? Let's just give a shout out to all the strong women who have survived and endured yeah. way more than their male counterparts just to do the same amount of work. That's right. yeah. shout out to all of them. Very fair. Holding it down. Yeah. So I mean, what 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 has happened lately that has irked you uh, besides that? <laughs> who's, who's thought number one? Thought number one. Thought number um, one. No, thought number one. Actually, it's act. Uh, it's not a bad thought. I haven't seen the, the this week we had Crazy Rich Asians the movie. Oh, yeah. All right. Um, but Iranian, it, it, right? you, you count as an Asian, right? So yeah, you are. <laughs> but uh, that movie is fully made. Uh, it's American, like English language movie. Even though, and the production companies, everyone is American, but the cast is full Asian descent mm. and East Asian. Let's say it's East Asian. And uh, the, fu- the funny thing is when you, when you tell some people that Middle East is mostly like Asia, that people will be like, no, it's not, but it is. <laughs> like, yeah. So, but... Um, sure, you're your so, own thing, yeah. Yeah, and, but in general, I think, um, that, and it has a director who's also... Uh, John Chu, who's like, you know, of Asian descent. So mm-hmm. it's it's very um, strong from a Hollywood studio that does such a thing. Mm-hmm. And we had earlier this year also Black Panther, which was also very much led by a full, you know, African-American. African-American. And um, very, very successful, you know. Um, so it's just like those two bring like a lot has brought a lot of life to Hollywood that like, you know, Hey, maybe this actually works. People care about this thing. So. Yeah, man. I feel like Hollywood in general is like, Hey, all people want is cornflakes and yeah. eight different <laughs> companies are giving us cornflakes, you know what yeah. I mean? And then someone's like, Hey, how about some lucky charms? You know, like, yeah. let's, just mix, let's mix My- it up. And I, I actually, as I said, I haven't seen Crazy Rich Asians. I I enjoyed Black Panther, but my only topic that irks me about these movies is that they're kind of critic-proof. That whenever you try to criticize them, even in the context of filmmaking Mm -hmm. or the quality of, you know, the acting or whatnot, the conversation, again, diverts to something else. Well, let me ask you this. Do you feel like you're afraid of making an actual, like, like a fair criticism of the movie just because of backlash in general? Or do you feel like critics who 
would try to still kind of go towards the old tactics of being racially biased or, you know what I mean? Like, I guess, where do you feel like more of the blame is? You're unable um, to criticize it or? Well, for me, again, I am a minority myself, I guess, but in general, uh, I'm a white guy. So I, I, I like for me, uh, I, coming from a different country, these things, I always like, we had like Prince of Persia. It did never bothered me that, let's say they casted Jake Gyllenhaal in the movie. Mm-hmm. He didn't even bother to have an accent in the movie. I don't care. It's an American <laughs> movie. So, I don't so, right. <laughs> I don't think so, of that. So it's an American produced movie yeah. uh, with the, you know, Hollywood talent. Do whatever you want to do. Sure, your movie title is Prince of Persia, but it's from your perspective. Or 300, it's from from a perspective of like you know Frank Miller, who's a comic artist who made this thing. It's a comic. You no know, one said like uh-huh. the fact that you think oh did you I have to you know criticize this because I'm Persian. It's insulting me now. I, I, I honestly, but I actually at the time visually really really liked 300. So yeah. and a lot of people hated me for that because they were like you're you're a traitor to your country. You know. Well, you know. Let me let it. I'm sorry though, but like if they were like, hey, you know, Lionsgate Film presents Shaka Zulu, the original story starring Brad Pitt. Yeah, like yeah. I'd I'd have a hard time being like, yeah, yeah, yeah. oh, you know, it's your version. <laughs> Here's the Asian perspective, right? The, so this this is why Asian, uh, Crazy Rich Asian is making such an impact. First of all, it has to be on a merit of its own, be a good movie, right? Mm-hmm. So far, from what I've heard from friends... It's a good movie. That's the big thing. Like Black needs, Panther was a good movie. Exactly. That's the thing. That's So as far as uh, quality, that has to hit the mark, no matter what you're trying to do, right? So that has to be the first thing. It passed that. So the reason why Asian Americans especially have been uh, kind of feel ousted in Hollywood is the, the reason that it's been years and years and years of misrepresentation. And the Asian female is always over-sexualized, right? Mm-hmm. 25 years since an all Asian American uh, cast has been in a movie, which is the mm-hmm. Joy Look Club, right? Before that, you know, you got your Chucky Chan here and there. But really, the biggest impact before the Joy Luck Club has been, like, maybe Bruce Lee in the 1970s, right? Before mm-hmm. even Asians even stepped in Hollywood, he was the very first. So there's a long history of misrepresentation of Asians, and usually in a very bad light. Right? You talk about 300. Yes, they're not speaking accent, but these are freaking buff ass Persian <laughs> Romans. And these are these guys are fine, and the the Persian or the king is like seven feet tall. No one's misrepresenting. I, I'll take that as a compliment, right? No, it's not, dude. That king looks terrible. That king actually, Zerix is like was such He's a the badass one. in He's his the one he was... who was like buff. Every other one was like henchman Persian. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah. but and in general, like Zerix is in actual history, he was such a badass that right. like you know they kind of make a joke out of him but again i completely accept that yeah. this is a like this is a fantasy it's from yeah. a comic book perspective so for me um i judge the movie by its narrative and like you know the visuals and all the qualities of that makes a good film yeah um but yeah so for me the only thing that irks me about these movies is the cricket proofness of them other than that yeah um it's very hard to, to argue about the merits of these movies, about how good they are or how there's something wrong in them. 
yeah. and without somebody suddenly changing the conversation to something different. You know what? I think if I look at what you're saying about Critic Proof, I get where that comes from, actually, because it's like, hey, finally, the Asian audience has representation. It's a great execution. It's a good piece of film. We should like like we should form a community around supporting this piece. Right. And then to be fair, you know, you do have to criticize it and say this is good. This is bad. Yeah. And I would say being Critic Proof would probably to me be more about are you just going to trash the film and be like, this is bad. That was bad. They also did this wrong. They also did that wrong. Like pointing out all the negatives to me would come across as a C. This is why we don't do this. You know what I mean? <laughs> Versus a like, if you're like, hey, this film is good. This is great. I like this. And I didn't like this. I didn't like this. And I think that could have been better. If it was a constructive approach to it, I would have no problem yeah, of course. You know, with somebody being like, hey, here's where your film could have been better, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but but to me, like I've tried, like especially uh, with regards to like, Black Panther, I think the third act of the movie is kind of weak. Like mm. the first act and the second act are very good, but the third act in mm. in Wakanda is actually kind of weak. Mm. And um, the moment you start talking, hey, I didn't enjoy the last third of the movie. It's like every other Marvel movie that the, the last third kind of fa- falls flat. That's Suddenly yeah. um, it's back to, hey, why you hate this movie? I'm like, no, I'm arguing this movie is good. There's... <laughs> Yeah. You know, you know what? And, but the, the 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 topic of the conversation suddenly changes to something that you don't expect. Don't and, talk movies with those guys you play basketball with. <laughs> <laughs> no, I remember there was another movie with the the the, the Disney animated tune, uh, the the one with the bunny. What was it? Uh, that was that was kind of critique proof too because the, it was um, Alice in Wonderland. No, or the Peter one with the, the the CG one, the the recent one that 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 oh. one. Uh, was that Disney though? I don't think. Uh, yeah. I, mean, I don't think Disney did a recent CG. Zootopia. Zootopia. So Zootopia. Oh, you didn't like yeah. Zootopia? No, I think it's it's a decent movie, but Zootopia again had that aspect of critic proofness. Came at the very very timey situation that again that movie was all about race undertones even though it was made for kids. And um, and then they had all these cops that were, you know, that essentially were representing like, you know, African-American cops kind of, if you read into it. And and then at the time we had all these like, you know, uh, actually no, the, the cops were not. But in general, I remember there was a lot of uh, real world consequence to what was happening. Yeah. And suddenly no one could argue that, hey, Zootopia, there is parts of it that falls flat, and there's parts of it that are very, very well animated, very good, you know, good watch. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's I I enjoy these movies, but it's very hard to talk about them. Okay. Well, how about a movie we can talk about that you feel um, like you was polarizing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what have you been watching lately, dude? I just watched Mission Impossible 6 last night. It was incredible. I can't believe a 50-year-old man can run so good. He's like almost 60 now, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, he doesn't age. Uh, Tom Cruise does his own stunts. I feel like he's going to die in one of these Mission Impossible movies. (laughs) Don't say that, don't say that. (laughs) He literally actually breaks his leg in one of the shots that he does in this movie. And uh, uh, like the shot is in the movie that he breaks his leg. Mm -hmm. And they shut down production for three months 
for this product the, the the cost of the cost of the movies ballooned by 30 million dollars because he breaks his leg for three months so they can't shoot the movie but they have to keep the cast and even yeah. like superman has to go do reshoots for like uh, justice league and they have to cg his mustache and all that thing for this movie so it has a lot of consequence but in general uh i think it's yeah. a really 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 good well-produced movie isn't it cheaper to just make him a fake mustache when he comes back from Mission Impossible? <laughs> I don't know what the reasoning was. Apparently, it was part of his contract to have the mustache on Mission Impossible set. So they couldn't overlap They it. do everything real, Larry, on that thing. No freak stunts, <laughs> no fake mustaches. Jesus. <laughs> Is there any other action film that has that much hype anymore? I mean, the Bonds for a while kind of had that born identity element to it. They were trying to rough it up a bit. But in terms of action films, like, I don't think the reason why Mission Impossible is so successful is it's because of the stunts. The it has a a, a a certain rawness to it, right? Is that? And I working? think it's because the the actually this is the first time the the director came back. Mm. But I think all the Mission Impossibles have essentially yeah. um, an author director, what we call author in movies, which is like someone who puts their own stamp on the movie, and um, all of them have been made by an author, and. Each one of them, if you watch them separately, it has the traits of that director injected into that Mission Impossible, even though Tom Cruise is the main element and his stunts, but it's the director. Let's say the first one is Brian De Palma. He's a very guy who makes a lot of like spy movies and a lot of mystery. And the, the first one is very mysterious. The second one is very John Woo. The third one is very Brad Bird. With, 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 the fourth one is Brad Bird. The third one is J.J. Abrams with a lot of his, like, mystery box and, like, you know, all the MacGuffins and rabbit's foot, everything that he has. And then this fifth one and sixth one is uh, by, a, by a guy who really likes brute action movies. Mm-hmm. And the fifth and the sixth are very much brute action movies. Um, but this one is really, really good. I recommend people watch it. I think, yeah, I think that added element of someone uh, whose style really fits the franchise or defines the franchise, but is able to kind of learn from the first uh, experience and, and that process. It's really relative to any type of art form, really. It's like if you go back to do it the second time, there's a lot of more efficiency and I think excitement that comes with it. Uh, I have yet to see it. I want to see it um, more so than most action films. And definitely watch it in a big screen with good audio. There is a lot of goodness to it. Um, other thing that I... Um, it's, it's not popular in America. It's not a movie. It's a TV show that's very popular in uh, in the UK. And kind of is... Because of my job, again, as I said, I currently work in a game that caters toward female audience. We actually had to play it uh, play a game version of this tv show called love island uh, i don't know if you guys have heard of love island but no, it's, uh, explain it to us for the first it's the, essentially the biggest show on uk tv it just finished about two weeks ago um so it's essentially if you take all the good elements from like you know big brother um like oh. all these reality tv shows that are com- competition based if you take the good 
um, romantic aspects. Uh, there is a reason like Bachelor has a, such a big audience in USA, mm -hmm. and but Bachelor is kind of actually terrible compared to this show. But um, uh, there is elements of uh, like Big Brother, elements of Bachelor, and if you put them together, you have Love Island, which is you have a um, group of couples, the, a group of men and a group of women that come in. They're all single. They couple up. They keep adding cast to it, and people have to repl get re couples replace themselves. Like you know, they the males find new of you know female companions, and vice versa. And uh, and yeah, the show is very very entertaining. Mm -hmm. We have something similar. I think ours is like Bachelor or Bachelorette in Paradise or something. Yeah, Bachelor in Paradise is very cheesy though. Like compared to. Like Love Island, it's uh, it's and it's a lot cheesier, and uh, it's very fun. And the only way to watch it in USA right now is actually on Hulu. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it was very entertaining. And then they have a game version, which is very similar to the game that I work on. And they actually did a very good job for people who um, enjoy this show to play this game as well on mobile. Mm -hmm. What do you do that makes it so great if you could just sum it up in 40 seconds, like the gameplay experience? Um, the gameplay is very a lot of tap tap, but it's building relationship. Like it's like you have to come woo, like let's say you whether you pick a I think you, you pick a female character and you have to woo a guy. And you know, there are like four or five guys in this house, so you have to choose which one you're gonna companion with but in the meantime what? you have to talk to other females see who likes who so it's a lot of balancing act of like who how do i not hurt the other female what meanwhile i stick to the guy that i like so it's yeah. very like entertaining what's the um, best strategy that seems to land the guy the best in <laughs> not get evicted <laughs> and not accept no... other women. <laughs> well, it, it's you have like... to play it again. This is a very, I think, for for your audience, it's a again, even the game that I work episode is very different, um, sort of like you know, game. Um, but in general, it it, it has its own audience, mm -hmm, um, of course. and and it's 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 funny. Like when I was interviewing for this job, I was just like. How, how much like um, so I, I, I never played this game before so before my interview I go and start to familiarize myself with this game and I look at the data and I see that because the game has an aspect that users can create their own narratives and some of these user based narratives have actually about over 50 million downloads and I suddenly realized the scale of the game oh, how, how much untapped market is you know, for, for these sort of games. Yeah. Even the mod has 50 million downloads. That's crazy. <laughs> but the it's amount of revenue you have is a lot less compared to, let's say, like Fortnite. Fortnite is just playing right now. But uh, in general, it's still very... Uh, it's a very hot, actually, genre in mobile app store. There's like five different games that each one are, are fighting for, for, for the market share. Yeah. Well, you, you kind of mentioned Fortnite. So, what what were your thoughts on on the battle? Oh, speaking of, okay. about a year ago, I think I predicted that this thing is gonna sweep the nation, didn't I? I said like in our conversation. Yeah, we'll have to dig back in the crates and see what you said. But what do you think you said? 
I, I I know exactly what I said. I said every game is gonna have a battle royale mode. Every after and 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 Fortnite wasn't even out yet. It was only PUBG yeah. at the time. Yeah. And I said because it's an I other than the network issues, it's a very easy thing to implement because yeah. the design element of it is very established. It's only the network aspect of it that you have to support hundred players in one one match. Mm-hmm. But I at the time I said every game is going to have a version of this in, in a span of like a six months to a year. And lo and behold, we are here. And, and I never thought it's going to be this big. Uh, but um, now it's, it's crazy. I used to have a bet at, uh, at Sledgehammer with a lot of people because um, Evolved came out mm-hmm. and I predicted that game. A multiplayer only game is never going to sell more than 3 million copies. Like I, I had a lot of bets going on with Titanfall. Wait, with, uh... well, you definitely lost that bet. <laughs> yeah, let's check that. What, what, what's a multiplayer-only game that sold more than three million copies, Larry? Fortnite, PUBG. Fortnite, <laughs> and PUBG, and PUBG. Don't forget PUBG. I'll say if you mean like a premium version of that game, then I'll just say PUBG, right? Uh, yeah. Because Fortnite well, PUBG number is still very huge. It's about 20 million copies at least. Yeah. I would say I can see why you would say during Evolve coming out, Overwatch. looking at Evolve as the one that you're using as the base point to say, I don't think a multiplayer only game would sell more than X million copies, right? Because that yeah. was before Battle Royale became the thing. Yeah. Now that Battle Royale is a thing, I don't think obviously that bet doesn't hold up anymore. Well, no, in Overwatch general, I think too, right? Overwatch was a Multiplayer only, Overwatch forty dollars. Yeah, multiplayer yeah. only. Yeah, that's pretty high too. Yeah, but in general, at the time, because it was the start of the generation, and um, like this generation of Xbox One, and the fastest way a company could generate some revenue or create a game the fastest, it would be multiplayer only. Mm-hmm. But they were teasing these games as so big that the multiplayer would be big enough for you. So we had mm-hmm. we had so many games and a lot of them actually flopped if you if you look at it. It was evolved, it had it it was the border the 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 gearbox game. It was Lawbreakers. Yeah, law lawbreakers. There was a Man, lot of was the, and I remember the next one after that. Uh Heights, Radical Heights. Yeah, and even the, even the Epic yeah. game, their own. Epic had their own game. Um, that Paragon. Kind of, but yeah, that, Paragon. That wasn't a premium, but it definitely was multiplayer only. Paragon has gone down. Fortnite saved the world, I think, Paragon. is probably 0.00001% of the gameplay time of the overall Fortnite yeah. gameplay and, time because people play the Battle Royale. And then you had Titanfall. A lot of these games, oh, at the time, I was like, a lot of, a lot of people were like, actually... If you take half of the Call of Duty, it's still probably rather than twenty million would would sell ten million copies. That was no, it's it's actually the wrong, you know, calculation because the whole package is the one that brings the whole package is the twenty million. Yeah, yeah. So for me, yeah, I was arguing with a lot of people, and I never thought PUBG's number is going to be this big. I, 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 yeah. Let's hold those thoughts, guys, and take a break. And hear from our sponsor. A podcast so that you could update your artwork. What the hell is going on here, man? Yeah, man. Give me a sec, dude. I just have this one thing I just want to download and uh, put into my scene, man. No, it's really I mean, easy. It, it looks good enough, but we got a show to run it. Is it going to take a long time or is it quick? doesn't take long at all. 
In fact, if you are subscribed to Megascans.st, you are supplied with weekly drops from the Quixel team of awesome photogrammetry assets and textures. So if you want to get started right now, go to Megascans.se at checkout. Be sure to enter our GDU code to get the first three months 30% off. Well, it's a great way to help us out, man. Sounds like a good deal, and it must be easy to use if we're in the recording studio and you're still doing art. That's crazy, man. It's the first for me officially. <laughs> yes. So boost your productivity, boost your bank account by getting in on this deal right now. Again, go to megascan.se, enter code GDU. Well, what else can people do if they support the podcast while we've got their attention? Hey, you can comment on any of our social channel, Twitter, Facebook. But if you want to talk directly to our listeners, go to our Discord and have a discussion, right? You can find it on our website, www.gamedevunchained.com, along with how to contact us or other things like supporting us on Patreon. Yeah. If you want to help us keep the lights on. Yeah, if you got some extra pocket change laying around that you want to contribute to our podcast development, then please go to patreon.com forward slash Game Dev Unchained and throw your nickels in the jar there. We would really appreciate it. It helps us keep the lights on and it helps us keep gas in the tank as we drive to the studio to record podcasts. And all in all, anything that you can contribute is appreciated, but it's not required. We just appreciate it if you could. Yeah. So thank you so much. Uh, what is that? I think we should continue on with what Shore's talking about. <laughs> what do you say? Yeah. <laughs> all right, let's see what he has to say. See you guys. I think what's interesting is I'm going to say two quick things. One is I'm actually really excited to see how Black Ops 4 does. Uh, Apart from working on a COD myself, you know, there was always those talks of like, will they do it without single player? Will they do it without single player? Now they're kind of in a position where they are doing it without single player. It's just unfortunate that the market competitive multiplayer gaming has shifted so far away from where COD was dominating into new game modes that, they're playing catch up by adding those game modes into the game. But yeah. I'm still really excited to see how well COD multiplayer. Will, will you play it? Will you pay $60 for, for Black Ops 4? Oh man, 60. Woo. Yeah, we'll see. You know, I'm not going well, like, to. I personally would not. All right. If we were to compare like previous COD, right? COD has always been like a heavy load for $60. It's like best bang for your buck. You're getting three different games basically before. But because of that previous. Uh, comparison, right? Now that they take a, a, a huge component out, it, yeah, it feels less than what you paid for last year. So let's rub the crystal ball a bit. Sure, what, mm-hmm. how do you feel Black Ops is going to do? How is it going to affect the say, bottom line? First quarter sales. So, so not like the overall lifespan, but like how many within a month? How many sales within a month? I don't think, I think it's going to be the biggest flop of all the Call of Duty. Whoa. Black Ops is like the biggest. Like, I personally can care less about Black Ops 4 at the moment. And and I'm a Call of Duty guy. And um, like, for me, also, I think in the battle, Battle Royale mode, like, before COD, there is Red Dead Redemption that probably has a Battle Royale. Yeah. Mm. 
Oh, yeah, Red Dead Battle Royale would be insane. Insane. How more Battle Royale, though? And the funny thing is also, I think Battlefield 5, no one cares about it either. Mm. It's the funniest thing that no one... So do you want... They haven't unveiled their Battle Royale, which I feel like their engine, if anything, in military shooter. People still love military shooters. So Mm. do you feel like... I don't think they're going to eclipse COD this year, but I I feel like that, that... numbers inching closer and closer every year do you feel like this is going to be the year that i I honestly think actually battlefield uh, hype is so dead at the moment so i personally like just an estimate that i'm talking to other people i've never heard a single person saying like battlefield 5 is going to do any well and Mm -hmm. i think the ea one of the EA top guys just quit because essentially the pre-order numbers for battlefield 5 is very very low Ooh. um comparatively again Dude, like, the thing is is like I, what I, i'm always going to preach this because i want people who look at microsoft excel spreadsheets all day and make video game sales decisions and marketing decisions to understand they've been supporting these products for over a decade right so like the people who loved it when it first started are now 10 years older in their life cycle Right. So we're talking went from teenager to now family man, family mom. You know what I mean? Yeah. From maybe middle age to now upper, upper, younger, like old age. You know what I mean? And so you always have to look at how fast are you introducing new people as you expect your top end people to be leaving. And all the young people who should be replacing the 18 year olds that are playing battlefields and CODs now grew up on iPhone apps, grew up on fucking match three and like, Candy Crush or, you know, whatever little cheap free-to-play, free microtransaction-based gameplay. Loved Pokemon Go, loved all this stuff, didn't play any console military shooters. They're now becoming 16, 17-year-olds, and you know what? They play Fortnite because Fortnite is on the phone. Fortnite is on the PC. Yeah. Fortnite is everywhere where all their friends are. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? They you know don't have a mobile version of these games or else they're going to fall behind. Yeah, they they just assumed that just because you're like 17, 18, that you're just going to go to COD because that's what you do. But you have to really think about over the 10 years, somebody who was six years old, now 16, somebody, or I should say someone who was eight-year-old is now 18. You know what I mean? And where was COD in their life? Where was Battlefield in their life? Yeah, people say it was still there because you hear a lot of young people online cussing and screaming, uh, you know, F you new, blah, blah, blah. But I'm telling you, these guys who are supposed to be replacing the young customers have I've completely missed the boat. They're onto a different product right now. And Larry, and uh, one thing that really was funny is the the fact that you know I just told you like, would you pay sixty dollars for a Call of Duty? And you were like, Woo! maybe not. <laughs> so yeah. the, the 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 spending habits of the the other generation, the mobile generation, is yeah. so different because yeah, exactly they might actually because I was just, we were as as I said we were maybe just playing this. Um, like we were uh, testing this like Love Island game, and my 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 art director she spent fifteen dollars in the game easy. She was like, no no problem. I just wanted to see the option, and I was like, the whole Destiny community argues so much about spending fifteen dollars for like a eight month nine month like you know support DLC. Do, are you going to spend this $15 or not? And there's so many topics written over it, so many, so much conversation. Mm-hmm. And we think so much about that $15. Meanwhile, the mobile generation, they just, 
they they don't care. They 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 easily spend that fifteen dollar on a one hour experience. I think the hard thing though is I'll, I'll say that I'm part of the Destiny generation because when Destiny was introduced, I was still spending sixty dollars on games. Yeah. The hard part for me is like when I saw that sixty dollar games were now creepily evolving into hundred and twenty dollar games through yeah. quarterly DLC purchases that they expected me to play or not be up to date with the content. You know what I mean? So that's hard for me. But I also will say that like, I never had a problem getting a free iPhone game, enjoying it, getting hooked, and then being like, oh, 99 cents for more gems. Cool. This is now a 99 cent game for me. You know what I mean? It's yeah. not a $61 game. Mm-hmm. But but yeah, it's it's the spending habit of this generation. The newer generation is very different than ours. I think much different. Sixty dollars is like a purchase where you're thinking about bills that you could have paid. Whereas if like five six dollars is under that line of like yeah sure do it because you're like oh that's just five bucks. You know everybody has that threshold of like oh it, it's this is negligible money. Even if they do it six times in a row, they spend ten bucks. They've spent a negligible amount six times versus a one-time sixty-dollar purchase. Is like okay, hold on a second. Let me, <laughs> let me look at this now. But if you put it together, they actually spend more. Like the the yeah the, yeah. yeah so. People usually spend. It's it's a lot harder for someone to spend uh, to take them from zero dollars to a hundred dollars, mm-hmm. but it's a lot easier for them to uh, incrementally get there. Because, yeah. you know, rationally, they just worked itself out where it's like two becomes four, four becomes eight. You know, I'm already at eight. Might as well spend 20, 20 to four. That's yeah. the key right there, which <laughs> uh, I think consoles really miss now mm-hmm. because it's always uh, buy in or out, you know? You know what's so, interesting? I do got to say this is it would be cool. I don't want to say cool. I'm wondering if the $60 title will ever shift into some sort of like hybrid model more so more closer to like games as service where it's like, Hey, we can do this much content to get initial customer buy-in. And then here's our rollout plan to do additional updates that will eventually lead up to $60 worth of purchase price. One was very hardcore. I love and Destiny one. Yeah. Destiny one is great, but initially the game was ultra hardcore. Mm. And then they realized, Hey, this is too hardcore. And over the course of two DLCs, they made soft soften the game. So mm. people could eventually, let's say, get Galahorn or like, you know, all these other exotics. But initially, the hump was so difficult for a lot of people. So Destiny 2, they did the reverse. They started with a lot more casual friendly mm. and and they realized, hey, this audience actually likes that initial hump. They they like the difficulty. So mm. over the course of these past two DLCs, they have actually the destiny to to what good destiny one was like in the mm-hmm. end like you know it was very uh you always had something to pursue it was very like you still get the joy of oh my god i did this but at the same time you always have something to pursue um uh, the vanilla destiny 2 did not have that they just gave you a lot of the exotics so easy um it removed that sense of joy that sense of mystery um so they have actually made Destiny 2 good again. Mm-hmm. And and now the new DLC is coming, but the, the plan for this one is there's the initial $40 purchase for the for the DLC pack. And then they have a plan that over the course of the next nine months, if you spend $30, we're gonna support you with more like updates. 
So I don't know what, no one knows what those updates are, but <laughs> to your course of argument, we will see how this is going to turn out. Yeah, there you go. I'm glad you brought that up because more and more as I see, you know, games streamed on Twitch and audiences getting to see like full game experiences without paying for it, the harder it is for me as a, a game publisher or a game investor to say, here's $300 million and three years worth of time go make something and don't show me any sort of profit opportunities until three years, three yeah. months from now. Yeah. Right? Like that, that is just drying up as an option for game funding. I just, I see less and less in that other than first party. I don't know how those types of deals are going to continue to happen. I just don't see the market, you know, we're just not in that age anymore. You know, yeah. it's just... and, and to your argument, like destiny two is not a third anymore. So hopefully we can really analyze if this is how this is going to turn out to be over the course of a full year span. But okay, so anyway, let me it's really good these days. If you were like me and Brandon who like jumped in, didn't like what we played in destiny two when we initially played it and haven't touched it yeah. is now a good time to go back and give it a shot thinking that we're going to get what we paid for. I would say so. Yes, I would say yes. Um, the, again, the, the, their level design hasn't improved much, but the whole aspect that you are working towards something and there are rewards in that end that are actually kind of cool is very enjoyable. Like, it, it has become very enjoyable. There was a period that I also quit and then I came back and I was like, okay, this DLC two is actually writing a raw of wrongs, and, mm-hmm. and and I've enjoyed it so far. And mm-hmm. you'll see that the, the new DLC is coming. I would say wait till the new DLC maybe comes out and see uh, how the feedback on that one is. But uh, so far it's so good. It looks pretty good. All right, so let's switch gears a bit. So uh, comic book universe. Anything in the comic book universe? that you want to talk about uh especially the disney deal has already come through people are talking about you know very excited about x-men phase four, four. it's gonna start i actually through. think fantastic four would come first before x-men i think yeah. they really want the big baddie for phase four and five and i think galactus and galactus and dr doom are the ones that are gonna be for phase four and five because they already got rid of all the big baddies that, like, some of them are so stupid, like Fing Fang Foom, like all like comic book villains yeah. are pretty stupid. But um, if, if you say Fing Fang Foom to a fifteen-year-old today, he's gonna think you're making fun of Brandon. <laughs> I don't think the he's like, wait, what did you say, dude? My name's Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> so you yeah, actually shit, think bitch. so you don't think well they have I from what I remember they have two X-Men movies in the making that had production problems like the Dark Phoenix yeah, yeah they pushed them back they pushed, they pushed the, the one that was supposed to be scary with the yeah, mutants the one yeah yeah and then they had the full uh, not Days of Future they have the one with the Jennifer Lawrence and the, the main cast the mainline cast also pushed back it's the, with, the, with the Dark Phoenix one mm. they also pushed that fully back um, but in general I think X-Men uh, I think they are in good place because like Deadpool is doing very well I don't think they're going to touch that as much as and they really wanted that fantastic foresight of things to come in 
uh, and also they they really want that um, what's the scroll like I never I, I'm not big into like this side of like cosmic side of the comics but I know like scroll is accounted as very big villains so they could be pretty big for you know for future villains um, yeah um, but I actually it's funny like the uh, the comics is. It, I was the other day. I was trying to buy comics. It's so hard to find to buy comics in like uh, Barnes and Nobles. Like now, you have to just buy them as like full well, books. Comics. It's it's too niche. Unfortunately, like it's. I'm gonna say this. And I know it pissed off a lot of people. 2018. Just from a business sense, comics aren't selling to all the people like they used to. There's so many different ways that people can consume comic media or entertainment media or things to occupy their time that they pay money for. I don't feel like comics is getting the same support it was 15 years ago, 30 years ago. You oh, know yeah. what I mean? Like it's, yeah. Even I'm not the digital it's platform, dead. I don't really yeah. have friends that constantly tell me, oh, there's a new awesome uh, comic that just came out. Uh, no one talks about it really anymore, too. Uh, in, and, in and the fact is, like, there are no more. I, I, there are no artists that I hear about in the comic world either. Like, there was, like, let's say, fifteen years ago, there was the Jim Lee's, Joe Madreras, like these guys. You would kill even if the guy does, I don't know, Daredevil number fifty-four. You would, you would find that Daredevil number fifty-four because you know Clayton Crane drew it, and it's a gorgeous art piece just to look at. And I, I but don't think at, this exists anymore. Look at it this way. Joe Mad at the time, and I'm just going to, I'm throwing this, uh, yeah, I'm not going to say his name because I actually don't know how much he was paying. But once I say this example, it's going to make sense. Top level comic book artist can work his ass off to get paid $58,000 a year to be a famous penciler. Or he can oh, simply wow. go into the games industry and be a concept artist and get paid double that. Yeah. You know that's what I mean? That's, well, the, that's like... Yeah, the last deal I've heard uh, was a Netflix deal because they were developing their own comics to Netflix kind of movie thing, which is like, very profitable, right? They're, it's a very smart business. So they're like hiring a bunch of comic guys and artists and writers to develop new comics, test that idea in the market to eventually develop that into a TV series and movies of their own because, you know, superheroes aren't going anywhere. They're just going to get bigger. People love them. If it's well done, you know, people want more. So that's the only thing I feel like as a comic artist that, you know, you have to try to, I, I guess it has a lot to do with book deals too, right? It's like you're writing a book to hopefully eventually make a movie out of it, especially yeah. young adult readers, right? Yeah. Um, I think comic books are kind of similar. It's like, you know, proof of concept, build an audience around it, and then hopefully Netflix or some other movie studio will pick it up because everyone's always looking for the next thing that isn't Marvel or yeah. DC, right? That's already over there. It's, it's so hard to come up. It's yeah. so hard. Like, I remember everyone that was great artist left Marvel and DC to Pop Cow. And they looked great, all their art, all their mm -hmm. like work. But I don't think any of their cells went anywhere, and and they are all kind of dead now. Yeah. Like, you know. Well, I think what I can say is, comic books will always probably be. I don't want to say always probably. Comic books is my favorite storytelling medium that I've got to enjoy in my childhood that I still have a special place for. 
and like you said, Brandon, they're doing test runs, right? Like, let's make we want to tell this story in a very cheap way and see how much excitement we can get visually and through story. Comics is a great way to do that because video requires acting, it requires shooting, it requires special yeah. effects. Just having someone draw someone flying versus someone CGing someone flying, two different scenarios, you know what I mean? So I get it for like a test bed for stories, but even in that type of execution, you're already admitting that there's no long-term plan to support the move of making the comic right. series, which is it's, respectful of the platform. Yeah, you know? it definitely requires... It's going to have to come through... Uh, in some type of app form, like it, it's it's gonna be a new way to tell comics without having it. Ha- it might be the storyboarding, like really uh, not too animated, but still some some new way of you know uh, consuming comics for people to digest it. Because the idea of downloading something to kind of flip through it like a book is is long gone. But if you add more production value to it, but not to the point of a movie, I, I feel like the next step All would right. be some kind of app that has that style. <laughs> would like I got one for you. I got one for you. And this is just I'm spitballing again. I would love it if you know you guys ever look at those VR apps like Quill or uh, yeah, Medium yeah. Or, or whatever those right, right, like right, right. draw like live in, turn the art around and all that. Oh, okay. Yeah. I would love like a linear sequence of this like live in 3D art that I could like panel one, I see the hero busting through the window, but like the glass shards are kind of suspended yeah. in time. And like I can be in the moment. Maybe subtle animation. Yeah. But, like just little vignettes with story. Yeah. Over and over huh. and over and over. It's gonna have to be that. yeah, it has to be something like that. Something with AR maybe mm-hmm. would probably be the next next logical. Just yeah. but I, I mean it's still really really relative. Obviously, like all the great stories are coming from it, but uh they have to do it through the app, I think, to really transform the medium mm-hmm. uh and add a little more production than just one guy drawing and one guy telling the story. It, it, it definitely <laughs> requires more sound effects and some kind of like uh it could be AR, man. I really do think it's something, and maybe companies are already working on this, but they know that the ending is going to be very strong, which is a movie deal, right? If it's a good story. So there's probably a lot of investment to kind of figure this out where the beginning is not so harsh. Mm. Yeah. But that's a pretty cool idea. I, um, But even like I, I, I have a question from you, Larry. You said like you really love comics. Oh, when was the last time you read the comic book? Larry's out of the room right now, but until oh. he returns. <laughs> just like, I yeah. used to love reading comics, but even me as a person, I think the last time I read a comic book was maybe um, a long, long time ago. No. Uh, so that question that Shora just asked, when was the last time you know we've actually popped open a comic? Um, personally, for some reason, I I like still like reading manga, like of my favorite stories because I like to know what's next, and that that requires an anime, obviously, going at the same time. A manga kind of let you skip ahead, and that's the reason why I, the reason why I read manga is just to kind of skip ahead. Um, maybe that could be the reason why you know it's good work because right now it's kind of disjointed, right? You got the movies, you got the comic books you know it's kind of independent from each other and there's no, no really any reason for me to grab a comic book to kind of find out what's the next story is just an alternate history type of thing anyways um 
but it's very disconnected. That's the thing too. The movies are doing well, but for some reason, you know, they, yeah. they don't tell you in, in before in the previews, like, yeah, hey, go grab the comic book. If you want to know, you know, there's no cross promotion. It's a very separate community and they keep seg- segregating that way. Mm. That's pretty good. I'd say for me, the last comic book I opened was probably a Battle Chasers comic <laughs> uh, like 10 years ago, 11 years ago. That's when what I, I need. Like, when I even, rebought it off of Amazon while, yeah. because I used to love Battle Chasers. Yeah. Now, I, I personally just like, there are certain artists that I thought I, I missed out on and I discovered them later on. I like recently, maybe like there are times that I just bought their books because of the artists, regardless of the narrative. Um, and like, I, I really love Clayton Crane's artwork. Um, and I just recently have been on a tear of just buying his co- like older comic books that he drew. And um, yeah, I just love looking at them, but to read one probably, yeah, it's been a long, long time ago. Well, let's look at the ugly stepchild of the comic book world, right? The DC universe. I have no idea how they're going to turn out. Well, I mean, Wonder Woman 2 is coming out, but as far as everything else, where there's Shazam, right? Which is the goofier, lighthearted superhero movie. Oh, God, that looks terrible. Everyone is so raving about that, 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 that trailer. Oh, God, it looks so bad. But from what I, I didn't read the Shazam comic book, but from what I've heard, it's like pretty faithful to what it is. It's like it's pretty goofy. But it looks like a cheap, cheap movie. And I don't know. Everyone is so. And the fact is, the problem is the DC fanboys are so like dried up some sort of humor from their narratives that suddenly they see something that has just a little humor, whether it's bad or good. And they're like, oh, my God, it's the best, funniest thing in the world. And it's not. It's actually (laughs) if you take it out of the context of DC Comics, it just like looks pretty bad. You know, it's worth saying, let's go back to our childhood selves, right? Like, I'm just going to assume, I'm not going to assume, let me ask you guys. When it comes to Marvel superheroes, how many can you name that you actually liked and enjoyed versus DC superheroes? How many can you name that you liked and enjoyed? I'm I'm in the camp where I I knew DC superheroes a lot more. I love Batman. I love Superman. Mm. I even knew The Flash. I even knew Green Lantern. Like I identify because I grew up watching the Batman animated series. Mm-hmm. I even liked the Superman animated series. Mm-hmm. You know, at, at some point, you know, uh, what was it called? Fantasmagoria or something? The Batman movie was in theaters. Like the I Master of Phantasm. Yeah, the Mass of Yeah. So there was, you know, I definitely grew up on DC characters more, and I still like those characters, especially those animated movies that come out. I still love watching them. Mm-hmm. But the movies have just been horrible. It's just mishandled. Mm-hmm. Good God, Justice League is terrible. It's so bad. Like, so even with the Nolan movies, right? I I liked like the 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 first one, but there to me, like, I here's the discrepancy. I actually like Ben Affleck's Batman, but in terms of look, right? Batman Affleck looks like Batman to me more than Christian Bale. Christian Bale looks like Nightwing to me. Like he's a lot. Yeah, he's he's a little too short for that. Too short for for Batman and not as raw. But, you know, Nolan's movies infinitely a lot better, obviously. Mm. Um, but there were problems with that movie, those movies where I didn't like where, you know, they would always interject like little one liners in between the action. Which was oh, I love those. I hated those, man. I was like, <laughs> God, what is this? 
that's the main reason I love Batman Begins. It's just like, does it come in black? There's so many good lines. But I like the second one. But even the second one had little moments like that that kind of took me out of it. Right? Uh, Obviously, Heath Ledger's performance was really good. The third one was terrible. I didn't like the third one. But, like, it seems like they haven't had a Batman movie or Superman movie where overall it was, like, untouchable to me, right? Because even the Christopher Reeves one, yeah, at the time it was cool. But looking back, it was kind of goofy. Like, his his acting was great. Like, I think he had the best, like, uh, uh, you know, from Clark Kent to Superman transition. Like, it was the most believable out of all the acting. Okay. Um, but there was just elements that I liked, but there's something always in those movies, in the DC movies, that's a little off that, you know, as a whole, I couldn't, like, even even let's say the the wonder woman as much beloved that movie was the last third of that movie is terrible it's <laughs> atrocious it's essentially um were you the one I, that that said that you didn't like because they had a boss fight it's just a mishmash of C- bad cg with lightning all i remember from that last act is just that it's so bad. It's exactly reminded me of uh, Iron Man 1. Iron Man 1 to me is two-thirds of a very good movie, and Wonder Woman was two-thirds of a very good movie also. So, All right, well, sure. Damn it. Since, you, since you know so much, what is the best way to deliver in that last third? What's the point uh, that they all miss? You know, sometimes just going bigger doesn't mean it makes it better. Yeah. Um, I always remember, um, you know, World War Z, the movie, mm-hmm. they essentially, the movie, would, the scale is really big, but they ran out of budget, essentially, in the end. Right. And they shot the last third of the movie in a very small location with $8 million. Mm-hmm. And that movie actually kind of ends itself very well, if you look at it as a package. Mm-hmm. Uh, or even you look at, um, the last Wolverine movie, the, it was the ending just didn't mean a bigger boss fight. Right. Like, you know, the whole world was collapsing. No, you can limit the stakes. It's, it's, I don't think having the whole world collapsing on itself and all of it is this, the, is the solution. And any movie who results to all oh, the humanity is falling, all oh, the entire world is in jeopardy. I think that's the actually bad resolution for any of these superhero movies. Humans in 2018 don't give a shit about humans they don't know. Like that's that's the one thing that I'm seeing. Like, oh, everyone is dying in the world. I didn't <laughs> care about them anyway. You know, what I mean? <laughs> like it's, it's a tough sell. But I I do think I could say like if you spent two thirds of the movie building up a character that I care about, having something very dire or very serious happen to that character, but in a very intimate portrayal. You know, like yes. like you did say World War Z, spoiler alert, Brad Pitt coming to the realization, I don't, I don't even know his character name, but the doctor that he was playing coming to the realization of what he needed to do to achieve his last objective, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, like, that was a great scene. I thought it was really cool. Yeah, I, I, that yeah. was my favorite scene. I actually they, liked it way better than the yeah. zombie piling on each other. They built up the story enough that you, too, knew the sacrifice that was being made. Yeah, you know exactly. I mean? And then you saw it, you saw what happens, right? So you're like, oh, fuck. Like, there was emotional involvement in that scene. But, like, crescendo always being, like, every instrument in the orchestra playing all at once. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I agree. Uh, I Even, agree like, the that. Nolan movies, when you think about them, 
the last third is just about the character versus character for the most part. Um, it's the third one that is like tries to get the scale again very big. The entire Gotham City is collapsing, you know, take people out. That's the one that, you know, kind of ruins the movie. But uh, in general, I think when the stakes are very limited, it makes the movie actually better. Yeah. Um, Show me one person who's about to lose everything, but make sure that I care about that person. Yeah. Yeah. They'll show everybody losing everything. Like, oh yeah. my god! Just show me Chris Bale's face crying, and <laughs> <laughs> just really hurting. Man, I've seen Dark Knight four times in theater at the time, and it still wasn't my favorite movie of the year that year. So, sure. What's your favorite movie of all time? Like, what is your movie that is the best example of a complete movie? Um, the thing is, <sighs> my phone is dying. Jeez. <laughs> Perfect timing. Perfect timing. Um, yeah. Why is it not done? It's giving you just enough juice to say the answer to the question. Yes, the answer. <laughs> We're cutting you off. <laughs> He's dying off. Oh, damn it. He's like gone. He's done. <laughs> Look, he's done. Well, uh, that's we, the perfect cliffhanger for a podcast. Go. Uh, shit. <laughs> well, I got no rhyme this time. I'm Larry Charles. I'm saying goodnight. Yeah, thank you for joining us for the first episode of uh, Pop Culture Thoughts with Shora. Shora had to go like a superhero exit. Please comment. Uh, if you really want to know his thoughts, please message us. <laughs> maybe we'll post it or maybe we'll follow up in the next episode. I'm back. Yeah, definitely let us know how you feel about this podcast. It's something that we're trying out new. So let us know your opinions, please, in the comments. Or in Discord, anywhere you can that you know that we read on our Facebook. We'd love to see your thoughts. Email even. All right, I'm gone for real this time. See you guys. If you enjoyed this podcast and you want to stay in touch or continue to follow our developments, then you need to go to facebook.com forward slash game dev unchained and drop a like and stay in touch. You can also get the direct feed for this podcast on soundcloud.com forward slash game dev unchained.